correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Welcome to Opcast, Arms Around the Trinity Continuum. Our podcast does in-depth reviews covering everything from first edition to the newest StoryPath version of the books published for the Trinity Continuum, including Aeon, Aberrant, Adventure, and more. I am your host today, Scott Cuban. You can find me on Twitter at SimulacraRPGs and on Twitch and YouTube at SimulacraTV. Today, we'd like to shout out another member of the D20 Radio Network. The Story Told is a seasoned variety RPG podcast with tons of discussion, amazing author interviews, and a smidge of live play. Check out The Story Told and all the other great shows on the network at d20radio.com. Today we present an interview with Matthew Dawkins, developer of Trinity Continuum Aether, a new game coming out for the Trinity Continuum, currently on Kickstarter. Hello, Matthew. How are you doing this afternoon? Hello there, Scott. I'm doing all right. I'm doing quite well. I mean, yeah, I am melting uh, <laughs> because it is very warm right now. I, I shouldn't complain, uh, really, because, you know, it's a lot hotter in other parts of the world. But nevertheless, it's unseasonably hot for the United Kingdom. <laughs> and and I, I love I love doing interviews. I love talking about games I work on. Main problem, though, is you can't have a fan on while doing it so ah, that, that I is... if by the end of the interview i'm just a gibbering mess it's because i have spoken for too long well there we go uh all right well um why don't you go ahead and let people know who you are what you're working on uh you know who is matthew dawkins oh what well, uh complex question <laughs> uh, so yes my name is Matthew Dawkins I've been in the business of creating role-playing games writing for role-playing games and such since uh, 2013 I guess uh, and uh, I'm probably most well known for working on the world of darkness most specifically Vampire the Masquerade and on the They Came From series uh, I both write and develop games. I also edit games occasionally, sometimes under my name, sometimes under a pseudonym. And yeah, I've been all over the damn place. Most of my work is on Onyx Path publishing books, although I have done plenty of work for other companies too, from Paradox to Chaosium to Cubicle 7 to uh, Green Ronin and everywhere in between. And so uh, this is one of my first ventures into the Trinity Continuum as a creator. Not the first. Uh, the first Trinity Continuum game I worked on was NWE, uh, the wrestling supplement uh, for Aberrant uh, that I co-developed with Eddie Webb. Uh, but this is my first solo development gig in Trinity and it's quite an honor uh, honestly because trinity is an established universe it's got an established fan base and it also has several established creators and so to be invited to ha essentially have a pitch picked up for it uh, that allows me to develop a part of that continuum that hasn't ever been explored before is a lot of fun uh, yeah i i 
you know, I'm a big fan of role-playing games all across the spectrum, whether they're mechanically heavy or light, whatever the genres happen to be. Uh, I'm often associated with horror, but I equally love pulpy and silly and uh, and fantasy-based games too. And AFA, uh, partly by dint of its era, partly due to the, I guess, magic that's in play uh, in the form of the uh, eponymous AFA, means I get to play with a lot of different paints in the uh, palette. Great. Well, that leads me into my first big question. What is Trinity Continuum Aether? Uh, well, so Trinity Continuum Aether is a 19th century uh, big book for the Trinity Continuum core. Uh, it deals with a group of societies that have sprung up around the concepts, the chemistry, the alchemy, the theory of a substance or process by the name of Aether. Aether is a world-changing new science. Uh, it uh, turns the industrial revolution on its head, at least for those who know of it. It's clandestine. Uh, the public at large are not aware of its presence, and that's for good reason, because just as some aethonauts, uh, scientists, inventors and the like who are practitioners of this substance are using it, of course, for great ends and to help other people, others, as time has shown in many a, uh, many a genre, uh, are using it for their own selfish, diabolical ends. But more than that, it would appear that the use of the Aether, the discovery of it, has drawn the attention of another party, an interested group from outer space, namely the Martians, who would most commonly be associated with War of the Worlds. And this is where Aether, I think, is going to be very interesting for a lot of people, because just like other... Uh, excellent settings that explore a similar, uh, I guess, time frame. We get to play around with what essentially amounts to public domain characters, plots, stories, everywhere from uh, War of the Worlds to Dracula to Sherlock Holmes to many, many in between and surrounding, some of which aren't necessarily predictable, some of which are. And so there's certainly an air of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen to this game, which is deliberate, uh, that you can basically make your character the Invisible Man. You can become Jekyll Hyde. You could be a Mina Harker vampire hunter, and that would be absolutely acceptable within this game. Uh, it therefore has an awful lot of ground you can explore, whether you're playing a game that is in defense of the Earth and the colonies or the Empire or wherever you happen to be uh, as the Martians attack, or whether it's in inventing and exploring the use of Aether for your own personal grandeur or to make the world a better place, or whether you're tackling one of the many, many counter societies that exists in this game who are up to various malevolent deeds. There's, there's a lot to explore. And as you know by now, Scott, because we've spoken at least at least a couple of times. A couple uh, of times, yeah. Yeah, I, I am not prone to delivering short elevator pitches. Oh, no, you're not. <laughs> uh, but it's very informative. Um, so uh, I, in the rest of the Trinity Continuum, you play some variant of talent psi, psi user or quantum user. And I understand yeah. that's not the case with Aether. That's you right. play in Aether? Uh, so there's three tiers of power in Aether, uh, and 
they are successively or progressively more twisted. Uh, at the opening, you have squires who are, I guess, most commonly you, you would be able to match them up with talents pretty easily. We say as much in the in the book that you can use edges and gifts from the core, providing the era appropriate for squires. We've got some more. Uh, in the game, of course, uh, but squires and talents are pretty much like for like. They are individuals who can use Aether or have used Aether that give them an edge on other people. Uh, then you get Gogs. Gogs are the characters that can use the apparatus, the apparatus of uh, of, of devices, tools, uh, sometimes medicines uh, that enable them to work greater wonders. Uh, they that you may see a Gog with what essentially amounts to a Rube Goldberg machine. It should have no real purpose uh it shouldn't work scientifically and yet somehow infused with the aether it does exactly what they want it to whether that's give them flight uh whether that's allow them to spit fire what have you uh and it's as you get into gog territory really that you start seeing creation of aether gates that allow characters to pass through space and in some cases time uh, and dimensions and so then you get magogs or magogs and gogs can go down a dark path it doesn't necessarily look dark but as you increasingly experiment with yourself with the aether do so perhaps irresponsibly or to push yourself you stand the risk of permanently or well maybe not permanently but more likely than not uh willfully changing yourself in a way that <laughs> won't be pretty uh, but could give you more power uh, magog being a magog isn't just being a cursed lumbering monster that is unplayable far from it uh, magogs are characters that have completely internalized the aether they are walking aether machines uh, so where gogs are well so squires are dependent on aether as i guess a science that exists in the air that they can snatch from the ether uh, in gogs they are manipulating it with tools devices apparatus with magogs they are basically aether machines aether batteries and so they can change themselves and the world around them often to disastrous effects uh, you would look at a character like jekyll hyde uh, he's definitely someone who, if not a Magog, is very far down the line of being a Gog en route to being a Magog. And Dr someone like Dracula is absolutely a Magog because this is someone who has somehow managed to live for centuries, uh, develop the powers of shape-shifting, flight, uh, subsisting off of other people's blood or perhaps Aether. So there's lots of... Um, there's lots of room there and there's no real penalty we're certainly not directing people to play one thing or the other while i think the natural expectation will be everyone is a squire i think it will be very easy for players to start experimenting with the aether more because they want access to all the fun powers and we want them to have access to all the fun powers <laughs> of, of being of being gogs and magogs very interesting. So stepping outside of the, the fiction of the of Aether for a second, uh, you know, you're developing the project. Who all do you have working on the book? 
That is a very good question. It's been a while. It's been a while uh, since I developed this one, but we have a fantastic team. Some of them, some of them are Trinity mainstays. Some of them are newcomers. Uh, for instance, people will be familiar with names like Chris Allen, uh, David Castro, Daniel Lauzon, uh, Travis Legg, Leith Shields, Lauren Roy. Uh, we also have some World of Darkness mainstays as well. Charlie Cantrell, Peter Woodworth, um, uh, who are both very familiar with Trinity, but also worked on Changeling uh, 20 with me uh, way back when. We have uh, Alison Seib, uh, Kimberly Godwin, uh, Erica Mahoney. So it's a it's a big team. It's an expansive team, but that's because it's a pretty big book <laughs> that covers a Great. lot of different subjects. Um, I, I vacillate as a developer whether it's uh, worth having a large team. I mean, this is very much a process question. Uh, but sometimes, you know, I will look at a book and I'll say, okay, this is, let's say, 100,000 words. I could assign 10 writers 10,000 words each. And if one of them drops for whatever reason, uh, it's not the end of the world because someone else can take on 10,000 usually as a matter of course. It's not, not the end of the world for them either. Uh, but... The problem is, of course, the more people you have, the more inconsistent the tone and the more people you have to chase. Conversely, of course, you have a smaller team, three or four writers with 20,000 words each, let's say 25,000 words. Then if someone drops off, you've got a bigger hole in the book that suddenly needs plugging. Uh, Aether is a book that worked very well with a team of this size because we were able to clamp down on what the tone of this game should be very early on in our meetings in the outline and pretty much everybody's first drafts were bang on what we were looking for uh, so you know no, no issues there and i think yeah the entire team of writers did sterling work and of course uh, all all um credits and kudos to enaa watson our great overseer uh, the content lead because he always provides absolutely fantastic guidance on the trinity books Absolutely. Great, uh, great person to work with, I'm, I'm told. Um, so heading back into the, the, the fictional world, uh, we've said the word Aether quite a few times. What yeah. is the Aether? Well, that's a very good question. And uh, I don't mean to be coy when I say it's subjective, uh, because it's, for some people using it, it is quite literally a substance. It's an element, uh, a fifth element, if you will. Uh, for others, it's a it's a philosophy, a thought process that enables them to um, to change the world in ways that go beyond scientific. Um, Tesla is supposed to have been the first person to have been able to manipulate Aether in our game, uh, probably with the uh, well, at least according to Edison, uh, with Edison's assistance, <laughs> if not guidance. Uh, and yeah, those two are bound to get on for, for years to come. And they essentially were, were performing experiments with electricity and gas and, and exposing various elements to them, essentially trying to make some kind of alchemy take place, create a new energy source. And in so doing, they were able to discover and utilize Aether, which is a very unstable element. Uh, but it would be, I think, reductive to just have it as 
uh, essentially something you can dig out of the ground and use. This is something that, and I think this uh, gives a lot of the direction to a to Trinity Continuum Aether. It is something only scientists and inventors, entrepreneurs, the wealthy, I guess, really have ease of access to because it takes quite a lot of effort, quite a lot of know-how to activate it, uh, to to synthesize it, if you will. Otherwise, it's just you're just playing with science, and um, you're no different to any other inventor down the street. So it very much makes for a specific type of character uh there's a i guess a certain mastermind quality to especially the villains in a game like this you know people like moriarty uh are, are present or or aren't uh, if you believe the rumors um along with as mentioned we've got uh characters like the brides of dracula and dracula dr frankenstein's probably in there the invisible man too um there's there's a lot of people who are trying to use this aether for various things and because the powers the gifts in this book game are pretty expansive and extensive you can do a lot with it uh to to tell your favorite steampunk stories because there is definitely an element of steampunk to this absolutely uh, so you mentioned before the martians uh that is definitely an interesting uh addition to the world of uh, trinity continuum because at a certain point, we go to Mars, and and I don't re remember reading anything about a civilization there. Yeah. Uh, so what's up with the Martians? Well, I mean, that uh, speaks to a big question mark over Aether in general. Why does nobody in Adventure and later know of what happened in Aether? Uh, is, it, is it just in a completely different continuum, which would be a very easy cop-out answer? Or is there another reason for people forgetting it being erased or what have you that kind of thing is explored in the book and i don't want to reveal it all uh, but the martians fall into a similar camp why uh, the humans come yeah adventure assassins the core and so on not constantly looking up at the sky and thinking oh shit when are they coming back <laughs> um th so in this game the martians are uh, either on one hand it's they are guessed to have come from Mars. Uh, on the other, the individual is skilled in Aether, and it appears in some of the fiction, it's something you can do in the game. You can visit Mars in Aether. Uh, you might pass through an Aether gate, go to Mars, and you may find the ruins of an old civilization, uh, what looks like the staging ground for something, but you won't find anything living up there. Uh, if anything these martians are ancient history so why or where are they coming from now uh, so it's something you can actually explore in your own stories of aether of course uh, it isn't that we don't have a defined answer there is one and it's in the setting it's in the secrets the story about secrets <laughs> chapter so again i won't reveal it all uh, but you can very well have characters that come to the conclusion, and it isn't necessarily an incorrect one, that they just happened to stop on Mars before they came to Earth. Or they arrived on Mars specifically because of the use of Aether on Earth. And so they are Martians in the sense that they are coming, they're attacking from Mars. Is Mars their home? Uh, that's uh, something I would probably allow an individual story guide to determine for their game, but 
we do have a way of fitting them into the continuum uh, canonically. And for me, it makes sense. It does tie into some things from various other books. Uh, as a lot of people are predicting, there is some connectivity there, familiarity, and that is deliberate. Uh, we, we don't want these to, we don't want it to make zero sense, uh, you know, and just make it a really fun out there setting. It does fit into the continuum. It's just uh, the story guide the individual story guide running Aether, if especially if running this as part of a longer chronicle that spans a lot of Trinity games, um, will either have to come up with stuff themselves or use the material in the book to justify how it works. Uh, but it does work. It does work. And it's fair to say the Martians are monsters. They are evil. They are uh they hate humanity or at the very least they want our aether that is the view of the aethernauts on earth uh whether that sort of again reductive view of martians is accurate i guess is in the eye of the beholder but when you're being blasted with a heat ray or scooped up and put in a sack to be drained of your blood or your aether you are um unlikely to view them kindly and, yeah, the feeling's mutual. <laughs> well, that should be fun to have some good War of the World style. I, I mean, uh, do you defeat them with germs? I don't, I don't know. Well, uh, you know, that is a really good question. Do you defeat them with Aether? Do you defeat them with the thing they are essentially down here to find? And it leads back into what I was saying earlier. about Aether is a clandestine science in this game. It's only been uh, known among the scientific community for just over a decade it was discovered about two decades prior to the start of the game and the vast majority of aethonauts have kept it secret because for one thing there's a certain risky element to it where we can't allow on uh, unskilled practitioners to start using this as if the people already using it are skilled you know it, you you develop a certain mm -hmm. level of um a delusion of grandeur when you have access to a new science that no one else has i mean again just ask thomas edison but when the martians attack and the common assumption among aethonauts is they are here because we've been using aether at that point seems like a very foolish prospect indeed to suddenly say hey we can fight them but we're also the reason we're that they are here because the general public at large is probably not going to look kindly on their aethonauts for for drawing mass devastation to <laughs> to the surface of the earth uh, so they kind of the aethonauts put themselves in a tenuous position where they are on one hand defenders of the earth but on the other they can't be known as such because they are also due to their practice of uh aether spinning and unwinding the magnets that drew devastation to it so it's, it sounds like there's sort of an underlying message about classism in here somewhere uh, it's not uh, underlying it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty bold and brazen it's it was interesting because we were developing this book not that far apart from uh, Victorian Mage, mm -hmm. and of course they're both exploring the same areas, even beyond the grave, for that matter, has a strong nineteenth century element. Uh, 
and it's impossible to explore a 19th century game without getting into empire colony queen victoria it is um it's a funny old thing that you know queen victoria british monarch obviously uh, and emperor empress of the british empire in in parts um and regardless of where you are in the world a lot of people will see the 19th century as the victorian era uh, even if she wasn't your queen and there was an oppressiveness uh, the, in parts insidious and some just completely outwardly you know you are lower beings to us and we are installing governments over you you will obey and to downplay it as uh, trivial and uh, well you know we're bringing civilization to the natives would be a disservice to reality and also it really cuts off an awful lot of interesting gameplay i think playing with classism playing with prejudice as long as you're not again trivializing it is a really interesting avenue into the trinity continuum and role-playing games in general i mean we have one of the societies is her royal highness's planetary defensive pact or hrh pdp and it is an empire serving and latterly planetary serving <laughs> society uh, but that automatically aligns you with the largest army and navy in the world uh, with with Queen Victoria and the British Empire, and that can introduce interesting quandaries for a character because being a soldier in the nineteenth century isn't the equivalent to 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 use a really uh, loaded term to you know joining the SS. Uh, you're not necessarily participating in genocide of a people, um, but you. You, you may well be party to it. You may well be aware of it. You may well, well be aware of what the empire is doing in places like South Africa and India, the Raj, and the rest of the world over. And it isn't all pleasant. In fact, the majority of it isn't. So moral quandaries are always fun to explore, uh, always interesting to explore. And as long as they're done responsibly, uh, I think that that opens up a hell of a lot of gameplay opportunities against the backdrop of, and now we're being invaded. Mm, now yeah. we're being colonized. So all of a sudden, the British Empire, the greatest empire from corner to corner of the globe, is under severe threat from an outside force. Do they truly expect the rest of the Earth to help them uh, in fighting back? And the, the game isn't empire-centric, it isn't British empire-centric, I should hasten to add. Uh, we've got plenty of societies that are based outside of it, uh, but again, it's impossible to get away from the fact, especially when you're in the la late 19th century, that... The, uh, Britain is every fucking where it's <laughs> uh, you know it's interfering with everything it's trying to impose its fashions its cultures its its norms for better and definitely for worse and how you bounce off of that can make for a very interesting story yeah it's very much the elephant in the room oh uh, yeah certainly yeah uh so uh We've been told uh, that there's going to be something something Aeon-like in every era of the Trinity Continuum. 
but we're not dealing with the Aeon Society here. Who, no. what, what is Aeon in this era? Uh, so you have the progenitor to the Aeon Society in this book in the form of the Asotor Asot Asoteric Order of the Aeons. Uh, so it, it exists. Uh, it is a an organization that started off as the Esoteric Egyptian Explorers Society, uh, and becomes the Aeon Society as they become squires and start dabbling in the uh, in the use of aether. Uh, it's arguably the most upstanding or and. Um, academically interested uh, society in this game. I mean, there's a lot, and you can play characters how you like in any of them, of course, but the order is, and I, I hate to uh, oversimplify it, the one I would consider neutral good, the one that's accessible, <laughs> it's, they're not necessarily in outright conflict with any of the other societies. They're not pushing for a certain damaging path that a lot of the other science a lot of the other societies are i uh, uh strange tangent but i used to play a lot of alpha centauri uh back when that was new civilization 2 and alpha centauri and i remember the factions in in that game you had some that were completely outright hostile to pretty much everyone like the hive and you had some that were more insidiously hostile, like the Morganites, who were you know, capitalist extremists. Uh, but then you had the sort of nature-focused groups and the, U the new UN, essentially. And I see the esoteric, easy for me to say, order of the Aeons as being in that neutral space. Yes, they are hostile to some. Yes, they want to acquire more and more information, more and more understanding of Aether. But where they differ from a lot of societies is that word understanding. Uh, you have a society like Edison's Unwinders, which, yeah, they want to understand, but they also want to capitalize, clamp down, and prevent anyone else from gaining access to it unless they have a certain amount of money in their bank. You have the HRH PDP that wants to use Aether for military use, uh, you have the Society for the Opposition of Monsters that wants to use Aether, as the name implies, for hunting down, well, monsters. What does a monster constitute in a world like Aether is a broad question. Then you have a group like the Students of Tesla, which is, I guess, the antithesis of the Unwinders because they want to be using Aether for practically any purpose, providing it isn't outwardly harming anyone. Uh, so you've got a nice middle ground for the Order of the Aeons, which I think feeds nicely into what they become in later decades and ultimately centuries. Uh, and whether they exist linearly as uh, this group that goes through to Aeon in, you know, in far, far in the future is a good question based on basically what happens to everything in Aether by, by the end of your story. Uh, does it even exist anymore? And does it, does it recur because of the actions and memories of just a select few people? Very interesting. So now I get to ask my self-indulgent question because we, we brought it up. Uh, we definitely know that we're going to get some information on the Mercer family 
Yeah. Uh, in, in this with us, the Society of Aeons. Uh, self-indulgently, I asked, do we get any information <laughs> on the Donegal family or the Verano family? Uh, not yet. Not yet. Uh, I mean, this is uh, luckily a book that can will be expanding. Uh, the We've got some characters that have appeared uh, or will appear in some form or other in other Trinity books. Uh, Safari Jack, as an example, does appear in this book. And as well, he should. He's an immortal. Uh, but <laughs> maybe not in the way people would expect. Um, and yeah, the Mercer family exists, though of course Max isn't a um, isn't up and about and changing the world quite yet. In fact, uh, he is quite different too. Um, but yeah, there there are definite links in this game between some of the characters and plot beats from later Trinity books uh, in terms of chrono chronology, um, and tangentially because with Aethergates you can, in theory, pass through from Aether to any other uh, part of the continuum. Uh, there is a timey-wimey element, to, to quote Doctor Who, and uh, that's exactly the kind of thing that the Unwinders, Edison's Unwinders, are focused on. Um, there's a couple of um, societies, or more than a couple, that are more interested in unwinding than spinning. And the interesting thing is, uh, by definition, if if you were spinning something, uh, like, let's say, a ball of string, it would be coming apart. And ultimately, it would just be a spool, a mess on the floor. And if you're unwinding something, well, you've got the same issue. If you're unwinding a ball of string, it's still going to be a mess on the floor. But the way the spinners of Aether see it as we're unlocking potential, the way unwinders see it is we're unwinding your mess by using Aether. Hmm. And so the reality is by using Aether, they are still creating a mess. It's just essentially um, in Tom and Jerry style, it's kind of shifting the mess under the rug so there's a big lump there and then stamping up and down on it so the lumps are all spread out and saying, okay, the room's tidy now. And the Unwinders have found a very effective way of doing it. They and uh, some of the other societies, some of which will be profiled in the Aether serial that is appearing on the Onyx Path blog every Thursday, and all of which appear in the Aether book. They want to unwind time. They want to unwind events. Uh, they want to prevent people from having made these mistakes in the first place. And they see it as, well, yeah, we need to unwind your mess. And there's some good examples in the book of how when unwinders are working together, they can perform some pretty huge feats that, in theory, spinners could as well. And these aren't like individual classes. You don't have to check one when you uh, create your character. You can do what you like with your Aether. It's basically what you say you're doing with it. Um, but where a spinner is probably more likely to be destructive or more, uh, more brazenly creative, the Unwinders are doing things like uh, resurrecting the town of Donwich off the coast of New England that sank into the sea just to see whether they can undo something as epic as a, an environmental disaster. And then they will bring Donwich up, 
no one who lived there will remember what happened to it and they will walk away saying well that's that's a proper use of aether basically we can resurrect entire locations people and is that a good thing <laughs> i mean i'm sure there's no consequences to doing such a thing that sounds like a perfectly valid use of science no there's lots of sunken towns and cities up of new england full of uh, <laughs> lovely guild people who who want to come back and say thank you fantastic uh so moving on to the uh, kickstarter itself um do you have any interesting planned stretch goals in the works uh, so the thing I would really love to do, and I know it, it probably has a small audience because ultimately we're a role-playing game uh, company, so most people want to buy role-playing games, but I really think Aether is well-suited to an audiobook treatment. We did an audiobook for um, Tales from the Aeon Society, mm -hmm. uh, and that was great fun. And I would love to get some of the fiction uh, basically recorded by a cast, maybe get a bit of music in the background, see where we can go from there. Uh, it's something I've been thinking of, partly as I've been writing the serial, but also because we have fiction in the book that, that works the same way. The fiction in the serial doesn't appear in the book uh, as a point of note. It's, it is exclusively on the blog, at least for now. Um, but beyond that, what would be wonderful is if we can hit a stretch goal that allows us to, uh, if, you're, if you're familiar with Vampire, Children of the Night, Children of the Blood style books, mm -hmm. uh, I, some people may argue of their use, but I think there's definitely an appeal to me of, of having a book where characters like Dr. Frankenstein um, Griffin from the Invisible Man, Jekyll Hyde, all the rest, uh, the Mercers, uh, Leidenbrock, uh, basically characters from Jules Verne, H.G. Wells, Bram Stoker, all the rest are given traits and a short bio in the Aether style, along with some lovely art. Uh, it allows you to insert those characters in your game. But what I would say to anyone interested in that and maybe jumping up and down in their chair with excitement is if you are, if you put any of these characters in the game, whether they have traits already or not, and we do have some characters with traits in the core book, um, never let them be the protagonist. It's the same thing. It, it's a trap World of Darkness occasionally fell into where your player characters are on the sidelines watching Beckett and Lucita and the rest do all the fun stuff. Some sometimes, or something we did with Beckett's Jihad Diary by design was at the end of every single chapter, we said, well, here's what Beckett wants to do. Here's what you should be doing. Here's what you can do. Uh, so basically Beckett is on the sidelines, either picking up after you or you're picking up after some disaster he caused. Mm -hmm. I think that's what you should be doing with the staple 19th century characters. You shouldn't be following Sherlock Holmes around. You should be finding Sherlock Holmes' Unsolved Cases book. And then you should basically be solving those cases. And then if Sherlock Holmes comes back from the dead, because uh, wouldn't that be a fanciful thing? <laughs> uh, you can say, well, look what we managed to, to do in your absence. And maybe he'll accept his retirement. You never know. Lord knows he's earned it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... 
is there something new and exciting about Aether, like a, a detail or, or a secret that you're really excited for the fans to get their hands on? Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. A secret. Yes, there's definitely some secrets I'm very interested in, and I'm, I'm not going to announce them here, unfortunately. Nor you should. You, you, you can read the book for them. Uh, I think what I am most fond of, and this very much speaks to my game design ethos, I suppose, is I like the number of what we've called counter societies in this uh, in this book in the sense that they counter society good mm -hmm. society uh whether you consider them evil or not again eye of the beholder but some of them are certainly morally dubious the children of mars are a cult that wants to deliver earth up to the martians uh so yeah you could play a character in that group if you want uh but you're probably not going to get on well with the rest of the, the player characters unless it's a secret allegiance um I made sure that while there are plenty of societies you can join in the in this game in character creation, there are a lot of counter societies as well, because the one thing that always frustrates me as a role player is when I read a role playing game and uh, I want to run it, but I love the setting and then can't think of what to do with it. And that's sometimes a failure of imagination on my part. But other times it's because uh, the setting is so well constructed that no conflict emerges uh, off the page. And by having counter societies right up front in the character creation, well, the society's chapter, like the Caesar Consortium, which is Moriarty and Colonel Moran's criminal network that spans most of the globe, uh, all the way through to, as mentioned, the Children of Mars or the Immortals that has uh, Magogs that have used um, Aether to immortalize themselves, Dr. Jekyll's Explorers of the Unknown, uh, through to the more morally dubious of characters like the uh, Kino Nobushi, uh, the Warriors for Yesterday. They, um, they're a really interesting one uh, they are Japanese focused, though not exclusively, it does make sense, uh, because, and this is a, a deep cut, but if anyone listening has ever seen the movie Mishima, uh, which deals with the real life story of a character, a Japanese author, uh, whose name was Mishima, who became obsessed uh, after the Second World War of restoring the greater glory of the Japanese Empire. Absolutely obsessed with it. Felt like uh, Japan had become weak and, and tepid in the face of American democracy and so on. Uh, and launched a coup uh, post-World War II uh, that was very short-lived. Uh, followed by his suicide. It's a very interesting story, uh, but he he went to the basically military center of uh, which was all reservists by this point, and basically said, "Here is where we'll start our coup." And the army just kind of looked at him and said, "What are you doing?" And he and his closest followers then said, "Well, there's only one thing for it. We've got to take our lives. That's the only honorable way out." Now, that's a story that actually happened. We've got this society, the Warriors for Yesterday, who are largely trying to gain the same kind of thing, but in the 19th century. The Meiji uh, Restoration has just occurred in Japan at this time, uh, and with it comes an increasingly 
outward focus uh, with culture and uh, Japanese society starts embracing a lot of things like uh, like British fashion, uh, like uh, American and British military discipline. Uh, some of it lasts, some of it doesn't, but you can especially see it around the Great War uh, with the way Japan uh, appears. Um, and you have the remnants of the shogunate, the Bushido, and all of that that becomes history. These warriors for yesterday, who are one of my favorite factions, uh, societies in this game, nominally a counter society because they are nationalistic, uh, if or traditionalistic, maybe a better way to put it, want to use Aether to unwind everything. They want to unwind Japan, they want to remove the Meiji, they want to reinstall what they consider the traditional uh, society of rule, of honour, of glory, of conduct in their nation, and nothing else will do. So no matter what they have to sacrifice to do this, they will get there. And so that provides a really interesting human-centric, a very human mentality uh, society that exists within the Trinity Continuum. It exists within Aether uh, because they now have a mystical tool with which to perform their goal. Um, but they aren't entirely unsympathetic because a lot of people at any time in history are fearful of tomorrow and uh, and the changing of pace everyone has the good old days when this only cost this or you could go out and not have to lock your front door and at a time when the world and the world has been changing of course a great deal over the last 20 30 years and it always has but uh, that speeding up of the clock of society and uh, industry invention really cranked into overdrive in the mid-19th century and has never really slowed down since then. And so, yeah, uh, the Japanese have suffered a massive culture shock, some of them. And so the Aethonauts in Kino Nubushi wants to unwind it all and potentially with disastrous effects. So yeah, uh, lots of groups uh, that I'm very interested to see how people feel about them. Uh, I know, and I don't mean to stay for too long on this one, oh. Counter Society, but um, one of the reasons we include societies from all around the world is, of course, we want a game that's diverse, that speaks to multiple voices. It isn't all about Queen Victoria and you know, Red Jackets fighting off um, Zulus. It's uh, about a world that is affected not only by this invention of a new science but also by a spatial event uh, where the martians attack and how everyone responds to that and i think there's that excellent meme that has gone around now for years of there is a time in the 19th century where you could have a samurai a cowboy mm. um you know this that and the other a pirate all in the same group and it would make sense aether is that game nice. you can you can definitely have all of these characters they may not agree with each other they may not share the same philosophies but just as in the trinity core or any of the trinity games where you have these societies you don't all have to be members of the same group to get along for a while it's more it's closer to covenants in requiem than it is to sects in masquerade if that makes sense it, it does 
Well, thank you so much for your time, Matthew. I know we here at Opcast are super interested in Aether, really looking forward to getting our hands on those, uh, those manuscripts as part of the Kickstarter. Um, what would be the best way if people wanted to reach out to you, talk to you about Aether or any of the stuff that you're working on, how would people get in touch with you? The best way is on matthewdawkins.com. I have a contact form there that people are open to use. Uh, I invite you to uh, plug your details in and ask me questions. And if I can, I will get back to you promptly. If not, it will take a while, but I will get back to you. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at DawkinsMP. And I am always on the Onyx Path Discord. If you're posting in the They Came From channels or Aether right now, I'm very likely to see your comments. But yeah, uh, the one thing I ask any listeners is, if you enjoy these games, if you play them or just read them or just like hearing about them, uh, it helps us a huge amount if you leave a review or a rating or if you create media about them or, and this isn't, I'm not saying this specifically for my benefit, tell creators that you enjoy them or tell other people that you enjoy them. Use your social media for that effect because it's very common that criticism will get through, but praise is often quite reserved. It's the same in any industry. You know, you work in a store, you'll get complaints about how well you sold this uh, slice of ham, uh, but, but uh, no one's going to tell you how beautifully it was sliced, which is unfair because you're a fantastic ham slicer. And uh, it's the same for us in the RPG industry. It's, it's nice to hear when our work has a positive impact. Well, I mean, I, I, I like the Trinity stuff so much that I put, took place in a podcast about it. So, <laughs> well, yeah, you, you've, done, you've done your bit, Scott. Yeah. You don't need to do any more. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Well, I think the last thing to do is to invite you and all of our listeners to keep your arms around the Trinity Continuum.